Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. I'm back. Me and Shaka, we're here. We've got to talk about what happened this past weekend with the Jets and the Eagles. Newsflash, both of them lost. And also, baby update, no baby yet. Shaka, give us the baby update. What are you thinking? How soon? That's the real That's the real news today. Well, to be perfectly honest, one way or another, this baby's going to be here by next Tuesday. So I, unfortunately, will not be part of the podcast next Tuesday. You hear that, everybody? Um, get ready. We're going to not have Shaka because he's going to be in full-in baby mode. Yeah, we uh, we have an induction plan for next Tuesday. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on. We're negotiating. We're singing to him. I'm offering him bribes, you know, trust fund, college tuition covered. He's not budging. Dude, this so, sounds uh, like a much better negotiation than the Levy and Bell situation. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm going to have to give up a, a first-round uh, pick for this guy to get out here. But um, we'll see what happens. But I, I you know, think you're going to come to a resolution faster than Levy and the, and the Steelers. A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So as, as I mentioned to Shaka a little bit earlier, when we were talking about the format. Um, we were talking so much about the jets and the Eagles. And as, as you guys know, th- these are our teams. We're passionate about these teams. I just wanted to focus on these teams on today's podcast. And, and I think we're going to continue to focus on those because we both have a lot to say about them. They both chalked up losses this past weekend and I, I think there's a lot to unpack here. So let's start with the Jets, Shaka. Um, I didn't watch this game as closely as you did, I'm sure. Uh, just like I'm sure you know that I'm sure you probably didn't watch the Eagles game as closely as I did. Um, but I wanted to get some of your thoughts. I think that the Vikings defense figured out ways to really aggravate and get underneath the skin of Sam Darnold. And I think they kind of ran away in the second half, but I want a little bit more of the close perspective that you had about this game and the Jets play. Well, I will say the common thread for both of our teams this weekend was a completely different team after halftime. Yeah. Um, Particularly the Jets, I'm I'm really trying to figure out, and I I, I got a ton of notes here, and I'm really trying to figure out what a good base is to start with. But I will say this. Um... Definitely, probably the worst game Darnold has had as an NFL quarterback. Okay. But I will also say it was a great example for management to look and say, man, I think we're really kind of boning our quarterback a bit. You look at, well, let's start, let's start with the positives. Kirk Cousins was the, the quarterback the Jets really, really, really wanted in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, they threw three million, three years, ninety million at him, and he went and used that as leverage to get a deal from the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you look at just the way he played uh, on Sunday, he's worth every penny of that money. I mean, the Vikings are a team that are built to win this season, mm-hmm. and he's delivering because he's got a squad around him in terms of wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera, to win now. Mm-hmm. When you look at the New York Jets, Sam Darnold is a rookie quarterback who has not seen a lot of the, you know, the complicated and shifting NFL defenses. And the Vikings are the perfect example of, when you're talking about complications, they're, they're, you know, they've got defensive sets and pressures they can put on you. They've got guys who can do man-to-man coverage, end zone coverage, and they can shift it at any given time. And they gave Sam Darnold hell this weekend. Yeah. This is is um, a challenging defense for him. About as tough as it's going to get on the NFL level. And, I mean, he really... He really ate shit. He was 17 for 42, mm-hmm. 
206 yards passing. He threw one touchdown on the first drive, which was, I mean, we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. And three interceptions. Mm -hmm. Now, look, they the Jets play with the West Coast offense for the most part. You know, Jeremy Bates grew up in that, you know, that school. Um, so a lot of his, his passing sets, you know, are one, they, they're really, really super dependent on good communication between quarterback and wide receiver timing, everything, you know, when the quarterback comes out of his, his, his steps, you know, guys are supposed to be in place. And also, I mean, when it comes down to, you know, breakdown and plays, there's already kind of a preset, you know, you're going to go this way. You're going to do a five yard out. You're going to basically bail your quarterback out. Mm -hmm. There is none of that communication whatsoever between this wide receiver core and Sam Darnold. And I mean, that's a combination of things. One, there's a shitload of injuries. Quincy Nunwa is out for a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, and when you look at overall, Terrell Pryor just got cut just after got cut. this game. And, and to um, ride that wave, I think, I'm sure you saw this, the Jets just signed Rashard Matthews. Yes, which was absolutely necessary. And we did talk about it um, a little bit, I think, last week. You did. And, you you, know, you and, brought up Matthews as a potential option yeah. for them to pick up. Which, I mean, again, we're going to talk about him a little bit, too. I mean, I think it's necessary. When you look at a lot, Sam Darnold with three interceptions, when you look at a lot of what happened in this game, was I would say 75% of it was miscommunication, and 25% of it was on Darnold himself. Mm -hmm. The first interception, I mean, he, he was thrown into coverage, Robbie Anderson, um, Xavier Rhodes, one-on-one. -on -one. And Xavier Rhodes is not the fastest corner anymore, but he's definitely one of the smartest. I was going to say, he's, a, he's, he's smart, man. That guy knows where to I be. Mean, he always knows one where he is. He always knows where his help is on the field, so he can play underneath the man and be okay. I mean, you don't have to. He doesn't have to stay um, step for step with every receiver he's running with because he's got great, you know, great help in the back. I think it's a Harrison Smith. Um, is their safety Correct. Vikings? And there was one really, really just glaringly bad. I'll say this on both guys' parts. Where, gosh, I you know I, I love the kid. I love Robbie Anderson. But I think he thinks he can outrun everyone and just be open. <laughs> so, I mean, he got in a foot race with Rose, which was fine. Rose was really not playing that game with him. Darnold underthrows the pass. Yeah. Anderson's nowhere near to even get involved in the play to break it up. Bounces off of Rose's hands and into the safety's hand, who now has Robbie Anderson in coverage because Rhodes realizes he doesn't need to run with him in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's the first pick, communication issue. Second pick was really, I mean... I'm going to put it to you this way. Go ahead, please. Sam, Sam Darnold's second pick was an intended pass for Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts is probably, in terms of the depth chart, is probably the number five or number six receiver on the Jets. He's mm -hmm. our kick returner. He's a great kick returner, and I think he's got Pro Bowl potential, honestly, at kick return. But he should not ever be on the field at wide receiver unless there's some major depth chart issues. So that pass was sailed on, on, on Andre Roberts. And I think part of it was he just had no idea where he was supposed to be or where Darnold uh, throw was planned. I think he was running like a 10-yard slant. Right. And I think it was more of like a 15-yard go. So he was not even in the right location mm -hmm. when that pass was thrown. So that's interception number two. Interception number three comes towards the end of the game. Sharon Peak, who was, I think, one of our third-round picks, mm -hmm. who I had high hopes for at wide receiver, Perfectly thrown ball to him, literally bounces into the crook of his arms and up and out, intercepted. I mean, that's not Darnold's fault at no, all. No, it's not. So I mean, you you factor those in, and I mean, it's just when you have an inexperienced wide receiving team with a quarterback who's, I mean, 
basically got his hands full just getting the reads right. And and, and that's a serious defense for him to go up against. I mean, yeah. I mean that's a big time defense that's going to test him on many levels, not just is he an accurate passer, but they're going to be reading him and they're going to be trying and, and I mean they took advantage of him. Yeah, I'm not really sure what what management's expecting to get out of this. I, really at the end of the day, it's it's more just it's I, for me and I hate to say it, it feels more like a practice. You yeah. know, like we're going to throw the toughest defense we can at you. And let's see how you respond to it. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, you factor in there's a bunch of other small things that made this even more difficult. The Jet Center, Spencer Long, I, I mean, just woeful. He, he's already got a finger injury, but the snaps that, and this is something probably you didn't see, Sam, but a lot of those snaps, especially out of the shotgun, were, you know, Darnold either had to reach down for them or reach up. They were just were not on point. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing a highlight where I think the snap was bad and he had to pick it up from the ground yeah he, there was there was one there was one that he had to pick up as a fumble and there was another one in particular that it was a snap on a shotgun play and it was supposed to be a handoff to isaiah crowell the snap itself was awful and Darnold really didn't get good hands in it and then he handed it off to crowell if you look at the replay on this it just i mean it was muddled from the beginning Darnold didn't really have it and handed it to crowell who really i mean this time who also didn't really, really have it, it. And, and, I mean, as soon as he started to move forward, the ball just slipped out of his hands, and it was a fumble. And I think it was Corona's first fumble in 790 attempts Jesus. or something like that. So, and just a lot of things just were not going well. The Vikings jumped all over that. And it's just a ton of things just did not go right. And, I mean, our best receiver at this point, Jermaine Curse, had zero catches. Yeah. Zero catches. So, I, I think he was pretty gracious at the end of the game. He said, you know, I think there were some opportunities. I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape and see if I was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's like, I can't, I can't really be focused on what didn't come my way. There are a lot of things with this offense that just really need help. Factor in injuries again. Yeah. Um, Bilal Powell's got a neck injury. He might miss some time. Mm-hmm. Crowell already had an ankle injury. Um, Trenton Cannon got some playing time in this game, and he actually looked pretty good at I mean, running back. Trenton Cannon was the leading receiver. He looked pretty solid. And, I mean, that's – oh, God, that's so sad. Yeah, I mean, that tells you that what was going on with this team. I mean, this this was a real – I mean, it just felt like the Vikings kind of crushed them. You yeah. know, I'm not – I don't want to say that the Jets team is a bad team. I think there's a lot of optimism to have with this team on both sides of the ball. But I, everything you're saying is spot on. You know, there have injuries across the board, specifically at the receiver core – miscommunication you know you've got a young signal caller who's making mistakes and and doing his best to kind of grow with the team but I mean dude I mean you said it I'm looking at his numbers Darnold was 17 of 42 yeah and I mean the Jets are 0 and 4 when he makes over 30 pass attempts yeah it's just a sign that he's just he's doing he's he's not there yet and the offense isn't well-rounded enough to not have to thoroughly lean on him. You know, there were a few games early in the season where Crowell was able to bust out and they were able to get the running game going. But, you know, with a Vikings defense that was able to kind of read a lot of that, take away what the Jets could do well, you know, they, you saw a 20 point blowout. Yeah. I will, you know, the only positives I have here, the the first half, the Jets stayed with them. Yeah, I was going to say the first half, it was, you know, you started off by saying the whole second, both games that we're talking about, the Eagles and the Jets, the second half was a different game. The first half, yeah. the Jets was were right in stride with them. It was, and it's mostly credit to the defense. Um, you know, a lot of injuries. Uh, Marcus May didn't start this game. He was replaced by Doug Milton, who ended up getting injured in this game. He tore his pectoral muscle, and uh, he's out for the season. Uh, um, so Terrence Brooks got to play in this game. I mean, it was just a lot of things that just, really 
really just weren't in the Jets' favorites to begin with. But mm-hmm. I will say, man, Daryl Roberts played like a pro bowler in this game. Uh, I was really, really, really impressed with um, just the, his ability one. He stayed with Adam Thielen for a good part of the game. Mm-hmm. He also had coverage on Stephen Diggs, really limited his ability. And there were a couple big plays Diggs could have made that Roberts either knocked the ball down in coverage or as soon as Diggs made the catch on the screen pass or bubble pass, he was right there to tackle him. So I think he really kept the score from getting run up in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, also credit to Jamal Adams. A lot of big plays in the backfield. I mean, really kind of crushed the running game in the first half. He had three um, tackles for loss, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. So the defense are part in the first half. I think they just ran out of gas towards the end of the game. Dude, Jamal Adams is turning into a, a nice little tasty superstar. I'm really, I'm really, really excited. I, I mean, he's just, he's super physical, super, you know, he's got good um, football instincts. And I think he's going to be a problem for, you know, for the Jets in terms of just playing great defense. He's going to be a problem for offenses for years to come. I really, really like his potential. I just wish, I don't know, I just wish that there was a little bit more help with him. Um, and I part of it, I have to say, maybe Marcus May, if he's able to stay healthy, that they can just make a nice one-two punch mm-hmm. in, uh, in the secondary. But I think at, in the, towards the second half, I think just, you know, the, they just ran out of gas on defense. Uh, just a lot of things really just started to fall apart. And Kirk Cousins, again, the guy's making $30 million. The guy is so good. You know, at, at some point, he just starts to pick apart this defense and just really, you know, I think they really focus on Daryl Roberts because I would have too. You know, he's an unknown quantity. And if you're going to you make someone a mark, you go after the guys who don't have that much time on the field. But Roberts just stepped up. So I think going into the second half, the uh, the Vikings just really started to pick on other guys. They looked for other flaws and other deficiencies in the Jets' defense, and they were able to get spots here and there. There was one particular play towards the end of the game um, that Cousins picked on, you know, Claiborne, mm-hmm. and he caught him in the end zone. And I mean, it, there was a little bit of a push-off that could have been called uh, on the offense, but mm-hmm. they got him, man. They weren't afraid to take shots, and they were, you know, they – Beginning of the game, they took a shot. They took a shot, and they got Adam Thielen in the end zone on a 40-yard pass. Yeah. So the, the, I think the Vikings just knew they had to keep poking and poking and poking, and eventually they would, you know, find a hole. And towards the end of the game, it was just, you know, backbreaker after backbreaker. Latavius Murray breaking free for a 30-yard run to just yeah. kind of end the game, really, and any chance of coming back. Now, NFC North. Next week, the Jets go on the road to play the Chicago Bears. Okay, talk to me about that. Do you feel that they have... You see, because that feels like a trap game for the Bears. Because I think the Bears have played very high, very low. They've got a high ceiling, they've got a low floor. Sometimes Trubisky's throwing six touchdown passes. Sometimes he's in a situation where he nearly... I mean, he had three interceptions that were dropped by Patriots defenders this past week. Yeah, I, yeah. look, man, I think... I mean, are the Jets going to beat them? Is, the, are, is their defense going to go into Chicago and suffocate Trubisky? I think the I think the Bears they look they've got the playbook, you know, in terms of what you need to do to really kind of rattle Darnold's cage, and it's it's really intrinsic on Darnold, and it sucks, but he's gonna have to learn fast. You have to learn three, three defenses fast. I, the the Bears are I think probably, if not as good, better at putting you know front line pressure on offensive lines, and they're gonna be coming after him. They're going to be coming after him early and often to just really see where his head is at mm-hmm. and if he's prone to making mistakes. Um, it's going to be a home game for Chicago. So it's, you know, up to the fact there that there's going to be a lot of crowd noise. He's not going to be able to, um, you know, call out his reads. Mm-hmm. 
to the offensive line and to the receivers. And again, you know, the receivers that he does have, I mean, these guys are, I mean, with the exception of Curse, it's going to be an issue. Uh, it's going to be a real issue, you know. Um, and even with the addition of Rashard Mathis, who's a great um, possession receiver and can offer some relief in the middle of the field where they really, really need it in place of Quincy and Nunwa, there's going to be still that problem with miscommunication. So they're yep. going to have to really go over that in practice. Yeah, he's and not going to learn the playbook overnight. Down. Yeah, there's going to be, they really got to get their timing down. I'm probably imagining that they're, the offensive play calling is going to be a little bit more conservative. And I wish, I wish, I wish that they would really, really consider featuring Chris Herndon a little bit more in the offense. I mm. look at the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I look mean, at what the Eagles can do with Zach Ertz and just how invaluable he is in terms of just forcing, you know, defenses to account for him yep. in the offensive playing, play calling. And it makes a huge difference. I think the Jets are really, really um, underutilizing the tight end position. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd wise up. I mean, uh, I learned today, one of my sports pundits talked about how Zach Ertz is the third highest targeted player uh, in in the league. And it gives That's you a insane. sense. Yeah, I mean, he is essentially the number one receiver with the Eagles. I mean, the point that the guy was making was that, listen, that also means Dallas Goddard, who's the number two receiver, is getting, you know, just as, or number two tight end, is getting just as much of a look. But you really nail it because one of the best friends for a new quarterback who wants to check it down and have a safety blanket is a tight end. And I mean, what a, what a difference it makes to have a guy who, you know, nine times out of ten is going to be an option on the field for you. Yeah. And, and listen, we've already had two straight weeks with Herndon reeling in a nice touchdown pass. The rapport is building. I agree with you. you sh- I would want to see more involvement as the season goes on. And also to note, there was one play um, where I think, it, for the record, both teams in this game were horrendous on third down. I think going into halftime, both teams were combined 0 for 14 Oof. on third down plays. Oof. Overall, the Vikings were 2 for, I think, 15 or 2 for 17. Something crazy on third downs. So it was a problem in the game uh, throughout, but there was one big third down for the Jets where um, I think their other tight end, uh, Tomlinson, was wide open on a pass, and Darnold threw it to him, and he just flubbed it, incomplete pass. I mm. mean, and, you know, the tight end position, I, we, we need guys with sure hands. So I, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that Jeremy Bates kind of goes back into, you know, the playbooks and just draft up a few things, man, see what works. You know, this season's not about making the playoffs, but it's really kind of figuring out the core for that team. Because if you can get at least two wide receivers that are dependable and reliable for Darnold to, to, to bank on, I think it makes a huge difference. You ready to talk about my Eagles? Yeah, let's do it, man. I mean, that was, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was watching the first, the, I watched the first quarter and half of the second, and I, I think I checked in on the score later, and I was like, ah, they got this one in the bag. So yeah. I was completely shocked. Well, let's uh, – uh, shock is an observation. There is a really good way to articulate this game. Eagles were winning 17-0 going into the fourth quarter. First three quarters of this game, they were dominating the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers could not move the ball. If you look at the first seven possessions of the game, the Panthers punted on every single possession – Uh, There was one particular time where I think they actually got close to kicking a field goal. Then they proceeded to get two false starts, push the field goal unit back 10 yards, and proceeded to punt it. Eagles were able to move the ball. Eagles looked pretty good on offense. Carson Wentz threw 300 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had a couple of really beautiful sideline passes. Um, He had a beautiful touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. I mean... 
everything you could have wanted from the Eagles was working. Even the defense looked good. They were seemed to be compensating for their lack of, uh, you know, for the injuries they had in the secondary. They were able to get stops on defense. They were able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, I mean, it was really exciting to watch. Michael Bennett had some really great plays in this game. Um, and then the fourth quarter came around. And it's really boggling to see this team because two things happened in the fourth quarter. Number one, the Eagles really struggled to move the ball. And this has been a magical thing that we've been talking about this season and, and certainly in comparison to last season. Last season, one of the things that really made the Eagles so dominating was their ability to convert third downs. They were converting third downs last year at a ridiculous rate, probably uh, an unattainable rate, which is why maybe we're regressing back to the mean this season. Um, they're not able to do the same thing this year. Uh, the run game is not nearly as effective because of all the injuries. They went into this season with essentially four guys at running back, Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Jay Ajayi. And now essentially two of those are gone. Ajayi tore his ACL. Sproles has paid one game this season. I really don't know if he's even going to come back. He's essentially got a lingering hamstring issue, and he's one of the older guys on the team. So now they're suffering with, you know, I'm not saying Smallwood and Clement are bad, but that's not a dominating running back by committee. It's effective. It's been working, but it can't really control the game like they've hoped. When they really need to run the game and run the ball and control the clock, they haven't been able to do that. When they need to get that third down play, they haven't been able to do that. Now, they do have a rhythm. Zach Ertz got into the game heavily throughout the game. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, I mean, him coming back into the receiving core has been night and day. You know, before before he was playing, I mean, my God, it was like they were just leaning on Nelson Aguilar to catch every single ball. It was like Aguilar and Ertz, and maybe sometimes they'd throw it to the running backs. With Jeffrey in there, I mean, he really adds an element to this offense. And you could see it. You could see it clicking throughout the entire game. That fourth quarter, when they couldn't move the ball, and then you couple that with the defense not being able to shut them down. This is not the first time we have seen this defense fold in the second half of a game. Let us think about this Titans game. Titans game, when they went in and they were winning 17-3 to and they managed to lose the game. This Panthers team scored three straight touchdowns and they went down the, they pretty much went down the field pretty easily. I'm not going to say it was a cakewalk. The first one, I think they had a big chunk play where I think they, Cam Newton hit Curtis Samuel for like 30 yards or something. That really flipped the field. The rest of the, of the scoring drives, it was the same story over again for this Eagles team. They would get them to like third down and 10 or fourth down. They would come really close to shutting down the drive, but they wouldn't be able to stop them on fourth down. They wouldn't be able to stop them on third down. Or I don't think it happened in this game, but in, in weeks past, uh, they, wouldn't, they would stop them, but they'd get some atrocious penalty that would keep the drive alive. And pretty much, Cam Newton and the Panthers were able to do whatever the hell they wanted. They were able to control the clock. They were able to run the ball. I'm looking at the plays right now. Um, first touchdown of the game for the, for the Panthers, 11 plays, 80 yards, 5 minutes. And their, and their kicker missed the extra points. They score 6 points. Eagles go 6 plays, 22 yards, punt the ball. Panthers go 7 plays, 87 yards, 2 minutes and 44 seconds, and they get the 2-point conversion so that they can make it a 3-point game. Eagles go three and out, 
Then the Panthers go 10 plays, 69 yards in under a minute to score a touchdown. So this is feeling more and more like an issue of situational football. For a team that has been known for rotating their defensive players in and out so that they can stay fresh for the fourth quarter, you're seeing that as a detriment now because they are clearly not fresh in the fourth quarter. They're clearly not able to get the stops that they need. You know, Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox are some of the major, you know, stoppers on that team. And it's not them who are getting burned. It's the Jalen Mills. It's yeah. the, you know, the Rasul Douglas. It's the, the, the Avante Maddox. It's, you know, it's the front seven guy, you know, who, who is not able to sack the quarterback and having him able to, you know, having the quarterback, having Cam Newton scramble out and convert the third and seven to Curtis Samuel. That's where they're losing these games. And now they're three and four. They're, t- they're, they're with, the, with the Redskins at four and two and the Cowboys at three and four. They are not looking impressive, especially not in this division. And I'll say it again. Their three wins are against the New York Giants, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Atlanta Falcons. None of those teams are impressive. And their losses are against legitimate teams, the Panthers, the Vikings, I don't even know if the Titans are a legitimate. And then, and then they've got a loss to the Buccaneers, which is a, they should have beaten the shit out of the Buccaneers. That's bullshit. So I think we're at an official point where I don't know how to fix this. Um, I just learned today Derek Barnett, one of their second-year defensive end, is going on season-ending IR because he's got shoulder surgery. Um, Jason Peters is playing, but I still don't think he's particularly impressive. Uh, this team has got problems, and I don't know what the solutions are. Shaka? Give me some thoughts. Well, I, I just read that they're looking into maybe trading for Patrick Peterson or someone's throwing it out there that Patrick Peterson is a very necessary fix for the secondary. Because when you look at it at the end of the day, I mean, I, I went back and I looked at it as much of the footage as I could, and I, I just really don't know what happened. It just looked like they got confused. Uh, there were a couple plays, especially that um that big like 35, 40-yard game by Torrey Smith yeah that was I mean I believe that was was that the fourth down conversion that he had I think that was the fourth down yeah it's just when you look at the how many guys were around him and no one knew what their assignment was there was not a guy near him that was even in the frame of mind to tackle him and he just took off um I I, I, there was a lot of confusion fourth and 10 Cam Newton short pass to Torrey Smith for 35 yards what the fuck happened that would have, that would have decided it the game. A couple times. It happened a couple times. There was another play on the other side of the field. I can't remember who it was. Um, probably the third or fourth receiver on that Panthers team, who they just, I mean, just ate up yardage in terms of after the catch that there was no one near there. And I was trying to figure out if they were just playing soft coverage or if guys were just starting to panic a little bit. Either way, you cannot have that going forward. And I mean, when you look at who they still have to face moving forward on the schedule. Oh, dude, they've got the Rams they've got to face. I believe they still have to play the Seahawks. Teams are going to make them pay. And and the teams, the the big-name teams that they should be beating, like the Vikings, you know, like like the Panthers, these are teams that they can't beat. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly not as worried about the offense as I was. I still do think, obviously, you agree with me that the running back position is – is definitely a cause for concern. As yeah. much as I like Corey Clement and you know his future potential, he's I love not, him, but he's not enough. No, as he's not a he's not a, a feature. Back. By the way, just to confirm, they are not playing the Seahawks. They're playing the Rams, and they have a game against the Saints coming up. Yeah, 
they got Jacksonville next, I believe, right? Yeah, that's the London game. It's yeah, next so week, next yeah. week they go to London to play the Jaguars. Now, that's Man. another dog shit team that's in a complete spiral and is trying to save their season. I actually think the Eagles can win that game. I do too. Because I think their defense can suffocate whatever the hell offense Jacksonville has. But again, beating Jacksonville doesn't mean shit to me. That's a dog shit team. That's not a convincing win. Like, the next up, they're playing Jacksonville. They go into a bye week. Then they have a night game against the Cowboys, which, listen, I, I still am not impressed with the Cowboys either. I think they can beat the Cowboys. But then when they go on the road to play the Saints, that's the real test. Can they actually beat the Saints? Because I, I don't know if they can. I don't think they could beat the Saints or the Rams right now, which is something that I wouldn't have said last year. That's fair. Um, I, the only reason I still have reason for hope is I'm, I just don't like the Redskins. I don't really... No, I don't either. Not, I don't think they're I'm not really 100% soul in their makeup and what they are. I do think that they, one of the reasons that they've been so good is just the revelation that Adrian Peterson can still can still eat up yardage on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alex Smith, a quarterback, for some reason just is not a great fit with this team. I no. think their offensive core is garbage. I, I, and I think that Alex Smith was playing much better with Kansas City. I think they have much better offensive minds in Kansas City, and they were able yeah. to get more out of him, whereas he's kind of looking a little bit more like the – the sort of blah Alex Smith that we knew from San Francisco. I think Jay Gruden's just done a good job of keeping him, you know, crap. I mean, Jordan Reed has barely been a part of this offense. Vernon yeah. Davis is, is I, I just Vernon Davis really has probably like, used more than Jordan Reed. Exactly. I really, I'm not in love with, you know, I don't really have an identity to assign to this Redskins team. They just be in teams that they're supposed to be. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Packers of all teams. Yeah. I think um, they, I think and, they, did they lose to the Colts? They lost to the Colts. I mean, that's something else. Um, like, what the fuck are they the doing losing to the Colts? They beat the Cowboys. So, you know, um, they, they've, they've won a couple of games that have been pretty close, but games that they, they should win if they're going to win that division. But I still, in terms of their makeup, I'm, I'm not in love. They have a pretty so-so schedule moving forward, and I think it's the only thing they had the Redskins I mean, have going for It's them. frustrating because they could fall into 10 wins. And with as yeah. weak as this division is, they could seal it up. And you said it, man. They're taking care of business. They're beating the teams they should be beating, whereas the Eagles are not. The Eagles should be beating the Panthers and the Buccaneers. So, I mean, the the, the Jaguars game is going to be, I think, actually, forgive me. I'd say the Jaguars and the Cowboys, the next two games, are the big ones moving forward that are going to kind of be, well, where do you guys want to end up with this season? Because after that, you got the Saints, you get the Giants, which is – they got I mean, Giants. Red, they've got three straight divisional games. That should hopefully. Then they got the skins. Like Cowboys, they've got to run Rams. the. They've got to run the table with Giants, yeah. skins, Cowboys. So I mean, they really need to definitely win the next two games, and then they've got to give the Saints everything they you know, give them a run for their money. So yeah, you're right. They got to run the table. This is this is kind of this game especially um, really puts them out of sorts for the rest of the season. Yeah. Which was all the more reason why it was a frustrating loss, and even more so to see how it went down. So I'm, I'm, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you think they sign a Patrick Peterson? I mean, I mean, I could, I could see win now mode. You do that, but I could certainly see it happening. Um, You know, Howie Roseman is is smart, smart enough to know that the Carson Wentz window is small. And, you know, that, that explains why he was in the running for Amari Cooper. He's going to try to ride that out. For, you know, Amari Cooper's got one more year on his rookie deal. Like, right. you know, Howie Roseman would have brought him in for a year and just been like, fine, whatever. Like, Patrick Peterson, I could see that happening. I could see Howie Roseman pulling the trigger and bringing him in here because he understands this is a, a, still a good team that can be in a win-now mode. They've just got to go on a run and start to get their swagger back. 
Um, but it, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Arizona wants to pull the trigger just because he wants out. That doesn't necessarily mean Arizona is going to move him. Um, and there could be another team in the running that might want to go get him. Uh, the, you know, to come back to the offensive side of the ball, because I think this is going to be the last thing I want to say about the Eagles. Their offense looks good. You know, with Jeffrey back, it looks good. They can't score, though. They are struggling to put points on the board. And let me give you an example here. You know, let's just talk about your New York Jets real quick, okay? Here's how many points the Jets have scored in all their games. 48 points, 12 points, 17 points, 12 points, 34 points, 42 points, 17 points. Now, they're a little all over the place. You know, there's some games where clearly they struggle to do anything and they don't score much. And then there's some games where they really find what they're doing and they're able to put just put 40 points on them. Right. Here's the Eagles. 18 points, 21 points, 20 points, 23 points, 21 points, 34 points, 17 points. So you're seeing, yeah, they dropped 30 against the Giants. But even in the games that they've won, they've all been low-scoring affairs close games all of these games or at least most of them came down to the last play and the reason why they came down to the last play is because the team that was losing was within striking distance to score a touchdown and win the game on the final play none of these have been blowouts where the game was over at halftime right that's telling me that as as exciting as their offense looks they can't score and they're not scoring at the same clip they were last year last year they put 50 points on the Denver Broncos. They put 48 points on the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they were able to move the ball at will. They had a few games where they never punted. And we're not seeing any of that this year. That's and the that, real thing I mean, to be worried about. The million-dollar question is, what's different now? And I honestly, I'd never really thought that much about how much of a difference LeGarrette Blunt would make in the you know, offense. I spoke to my brother control. yesterday. He said the same thing, man. Controlling time of possession is a big friggin' deal in the NFL. And, I mean, just thinking about how much just how much yardage that guy ate up on every carry. Yeah. You know, even five yards here and there makes a big difference. Yeah. So I'd have to imagine that, one, you don't get the same kind of push from your running back when you've got Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood. That's right. Lining up in the you're backfield. Get, you're getting more second and nines and second and eights and third and it seven. your play calling, you know, and you gotta, you're forced to rely on your wide receivers a little bit more. And you're forced and to rely on Wentz. And I'm not saying Wentz can't throw the ball, but that wide receiver core is not very good. Yeah, it changes it changes the outcome. It changes in terms of what the defense can, can look at and say, hey, you know what, they got no choice but to pass on this. They got no push on the second and nine. They're probably going to try and pass it, you know, and move the chains. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not going to run it on second down with a, a Wendell Smallwood in no. all likelihood. If you do, then the next thing you know is the media, Philadelphia media, is going to go, "What the hell? Why? What's with the play calling?" Mm-hmm. You know, so it definitely changes the attitude a little bit. And also remember, last season you trade for Jay Ajayi halfway through the season. Yeah, you know, and it it adds this whole feature where you got to respect the run. It opens up the pass a lot more. So I, I think. I think that might be one of the contributing factors. It's hard to say. Now I know we people talked about Le'Veon Bell maybe coming, coming to Philly would be a good addition for you know for both both sides. Um, now I I laughed at it at the time and I look at it now and I say you know what maybe not the worst thing, even if it doesn't mean that Le'Veon Bell racks up a ton of yardage, but just if it forces the defenses to play the Eagles a little bit more honestly. 
Because I think a lot of teams this year don't respect their ability to run the football. No, I, I agree. And that could certainly allow the offense to open up more. But I think we're starting to pinpoint more that this running game is probably hurting the Eagles offense more than we're realizing. Yeah. I mean, look, Wentz, I mean, I, Wentz, again, I I mean, Wentz looks great. Progression-wise, as a quarterback from a rookie to now, I mean, fantastic. Yeah. The guy's a pro bowler. I'm sort of like, I don't, I don't think he's the problem. So, and look, some of those throws, like you said, most throws to the sidelines to Alshon Jeffrey and, you know, I mean, just Zach Ertz catching those, just pinpoint on the border of uh, the sideline. I, th- there's not many NFL quarterbacks that can make that throw, you know, where only your receiver is the only person that can catch it. And he's not jeopardizing, you know, or risking a turnover. So, mm-hmm. I mean, once, once he's got the tools to do what's asked of him, but he can't do everything. No, he cannot all right that's it we got to get the hell out of here i i feel like i I, i'm 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 done talking losses i want to come back next week and and talk some wins i'll hopefully i'll rave about your jets even and and i'll holler at your jets for your new bibby hopefully your new bibby should be here next week can't wait i'm gonna throw a jets onesie on him and you know hope that we get a little bit of good luck playing chicago it's gonna be going to be rough. I'm telling you, like man, I think that's a trap rehash. game for Chicago. I think I think Chicago uh, look, can I'm, lose that I'm game. I'm all for taking those W's where you can get them, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, there are people talking about we should have traded for Amari Cooper. Get the fuck out of here. Nice. This is, this is, a, this is more of a rebuilding. Fuck yeah, that I noise. Like, i just like to see our quarterback learn and grow and not be stymied by, you know, lousy wide receivers and throwing too many interceptions. It can no. be a psychological issue no. at some point. No. So. I think what they've got going on is the right approach. Let's just keep on keeping on. Fingers crossed. All right. That's it, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. You can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Or you can always email Shaka and I at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Um... That's all we got. Go Eagles. Go Jets. Enjoy this weekend's slate of games. Enjoy the 9.30 a.m. London game with the Eagles and the Jags. Enjoy the Jets hopefully stomping on Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. And everybody, be ready for next week when Shaka might not be here because there's going to be a new little Shaka hanging out with him. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have my hands full. Oh, he is definitely going to have his hands full. But as always, thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy the games. We will talk to you next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Enjoy the games.